We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. Thank you for locking in. Audio side, video side, it is Tuesday that means, as always, well, at least as always when possible, I'm joined by my good friend, podcaster, writer, Joe Yurden, who, by the way, is toughing this one out. You know, he's, he's on the injury yeah. report, but there's a game time decision. He, he's a go. Uh, Joe is feeling under the weather, but he's still kind enough to join us today. What's going on, buddy? How you, how you, I was going to ask you how you're doing. I already know how you're doing. <laughs> It's uh yeah I'm gonna try to not sound disgusting through this entire episode because uh because I gotta I gotta be on top of the mute button so because I know I'm gonna be sniffling and coughing and whatever and drinking water and <laughs> sucking down uh, cough drops everything like it, my voice is gonna start at this and I, I'm gonna see what it's like an hour later after yapping so uh, yeah but other than that doing fine I appreciate you uh being on. And for everyone who doesn't know, Joe, of course, is the author of Noted Hockey on Substack. It's notedhockey.substack.com. Measly five bucks per month or 50 bucks per year. You can be a noted founder on there. That's right. All kinds of content going on uh, with the Sabres and hockey on Noted Hockey. And it's been, it's been an interesting season for the Sabres. And one of the reasons, many reasons why I love having you on the show is compared to so many of the other people that I have on, I can never talk hockey at all with them. Right. So I love having you on for that reason. We'll get to that, though, shortly. Obviously, um, the Buffalo Bills saw their season end on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. Very disappointing. Do you know, before we get going, and, and by the way, the theme for today is I have a handful of my biggest Buffalo Bills takeaways, and I want to get Joe's thoughts on all of them. And we've said this a million times on the show, Joe not being a Buffalo Bills fan, but more of a Bills watcher. One of the reasons why I like talking to you about this stuff is because I feel like I can get an, an unemotional, objective response for you, whereas I tend to be a little more emotional maybe mm-hmm. than I should. But anyway, we'll do that. We'll talk some Sabres. Before that, though, I was, in fact, literally before we hooked up to tape this show, I went back on YouTube on the Talk of Buffalo on YouTube channel, which, by mm-hmm. the way, subscribe to that if you haven't already. Hit that like button. It helps us with the algorithm. I went back six months because I remember talking about the Bengals, yep. you and I, mm-hmm. and I went and found a clip and the title of it was why is Bill's mafia and everyone else sleeping on the Bengals? 
This was like a podcast. We spent a good 12 minutes talking about this yeah. topic. Um, it went wild in Cincinnati even. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. People were checking it out from there. They were just like, yeah, see, these guys believe. Right, yeah. And I'll tell you, I, profits. <laughs> I listened to the clip and we both were singing the Bengals' praises. And at the time, and again, I re-listened to it, the Bengals were 11-1 to 1 to win the AFC and 22-1 to 1 to, to win the Super Bowl. And there were five teams in the AFC who were bigger favorites than Cincinnati. And again, this was a team that was literally coming out of the AFC as uh, the defending AFC champions. And I just felt like nobody was giving them the respect. And uh, who are the five teams? I, obviously, Buffalo and Kansas City were ahead of them. Um, like, I, I don't, um, Buffalo, Kansas City, uh, the Chargers. Oh, man. Okay. I believe Denver. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and Baltimore. Okay. They were all. Well, if I can see Baltimore, Denver's. Woof, woof, nah, that was a, a badness. Yikes. <laughs> and like I said, we'll get into some of uh, our biggest Bills 2022 takeaways. Not necessarily even just about this one game, but just about the team in general. Um, Yeah, but before that, a lot, a lot of teams just, you know, all year long has been Allen and Mahomes. And we know the league wanted Allen Mahomes next Sunday. But as it turns out, it's Joey Burrow who just flat out outplayed Josh Allen. He's 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to have a two-man show, it's a three-man show at the top yeah. of, of the NFL, the AFC, whatever you want to call it. Because the Bengals just impressed the shit out of me. And it's not that surprising to you or I. But this was just a team that just felt like they weren't getting their respect all year. But they went out Sunday and they took it. I, uh, the respect factor, uh, is, is one that stands out to me. And, you know, listen, I, I follow a lot of, I follow a lot of people who are Bill's media. I follow a lot of people who are Bill's fans. Sure. Uh, on Twitter. uh, it's inescapable. It's Buffalo. Like it's every, anybody who grew up here, uh, 99% of you grew up to be Bill's fans. So I get it. Um, but there was a, there, there was a very, and I, you're always going to believe in your team, but there was no, there wasn't a, a whole lot of, uh, uh, objective, like, I don't know. This seems like a bad mix. There was just a lot of like, yeah, we got them. We're going to roll. We're you know, Let's go to Atlanta. We're getting ready. This is, it's go time. Kansas city. We're, we're going to take this out. And I'm like, okay. And then I, you know, um, I, I caught, I won't throw him under the bus, but I caught one of, uh, one of the media guys I do like, and he's not in Buffalo. I'll say that. Uh, Say saying something like, oh, oh Bill's got to go. We got got to go against this team that uh, almost lost to uh, uh, Tyler Huntley and the and the Ravens. And I was like, you mean the Bengals are going to go against the team that almost lost to Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins? Like, like yeah. it's that perspective where it gets where it's like our team's the greatest. You know, flex on everybody. Like, I get it. Like, you're a fan. Like, that, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I get it. But if you lose that that little bit of view. And you start looking at things through like, you know, the, you know, the, the, the bills colored glasses, man, you're going to, you're going to end up taking the fall hard if it happens. And yeah, everybody's going through the motions now with it. I think, well, but you're right, by the way, hundred percent, right. Fans will be fans. So, you know, and that's how oh, yeah. people think about their team. I'm not going to tell people how to be fans. Just and you know. In fairness, I, I think it was a little easier for fans and media and my, and you know, I'm throwing myself in there too. I'll throw myself under the bus with this one. And, Considering that Cincinnati did barely escape Baltimore, and you're right about the Bills with Miami, but I think that the Cincinnati having three key offensive line starters out and a corner on defense, just the injuries, mm-hmm. it just really felt like this was set up perfectly for Buffalo to roll them. And uh, 
on Friday's show, I, I mean, I picked the Bills to win by two scores. So again, I could have just shut up and not mentioned <laughs> that, but uh, you know, I'll throw myself on the bus. Own it. You can own it. It's, it's, it's fair. Before we get into some specific takeaways, let, let me ask you a question. And again, I feel like I'm going to get a, a, an honest answer from you. Do, do you feel like the Buffalo Bills right now are further away from being a Super Bowl champion after this year than they were last year? Because right now I'm certainly feeling that because 13 seconds was terrible coaching at the very end of the game. This was kind of a, an a, not kind of, it was an ass whooping. And I think the Bills lost to a team that just right now was flat out better than them. Make, does it make you feel like this team is further away from being a champion now than they were a year ago? Which, if so, that's kind of disheartening. It's it, it's tough to it's tough to really take a view on it because everybody got beat. Yes, everybody came up way short and everything. Players, coaches, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody that had a had had a hand in something to do with the game yesterday came up short. Um, you know, and, and listen, I understand the emotional toll of everything that's, that's been going. On. I I get that, but um, but when you see some of the decisions made by McDermott, that's I keep coming back to that. You know, because the talent is there and, it, you know, it's it's some of the choices from Dorsey. It's, you know, it's McDermott going back to being ultra conservative because he doesn't want to lose a close game. And it's like, dude, you, you know, you got your team. But, you know, Allen, you know, Allen was OK. Uh, Gabe Davis was bad. You know, they stopped throwing towards digs, which doesn't make any sense. Granted. Cincinnati's secondary played great. Cincinnati's defense, period, played great. So that's tough. But you got one of the best offenses in the NFL. Figure it out. Like that's that's what it comes down to me. And you know that I, I was I got a little annoyed at Romo because it, I think it was like fourth quarter, like late fourth, like late fourth quarter, maybe like late third quarter, and Cook pulled off like a five yard run, and and, and Romo's like, "This is what they got to do to get back into the game." I'm like, "Dude, they're down two scores." Yeah. You know, you, you can't be chugging away time, you know, ru- you know, grinding things up and then running the ball over the place. You just can't do it. It had to be the fourth quarter. Um, but I'm just, you know, it, it's it's a lot of everything that was just off. And, you know, it, it, to me, it's a lot of hubris, like coming back for for everything with, you know, stuff that gets talked about, that gets talked up, all the, all this kind of stuff is just a lot of. It's a lot. It's a big old serving a humble pie for for everybody. But the problem is, this is now the third year in a row this crew has come up short. Sure, and that's you know people only remember thirteen seconds because it was you know that's that's as close as you're going to get without coming up with it. And even still, that's divisional round. But the year before losing to Kansas City, that was hard. You know, like that was supposed to be the learning game. It was okay, okay, we took we took one on the chin, we lost. It sucks. We're going to be back and get it next year. And they should have. Yeah, they did. I agree. And this year it was, it was set up pretty. I mean, you know, pretty well. I can't say it was set up perfect because there's still, you know, you know the way things broke down. There's still the two seed, all that stuff. But you know, man, they did not play like a like a dominating like a team that went fourteen and three. They did not play like that at all. You know, I, 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 the Dolphins get. I, I joke around that Skylar Tom, you know, almost lose to him. They didn't lose to him. They lost to themselves because they kept the hand of the ball off to him. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's, but that's also a major fall. You can't, you know, you don't have to rack up yards when you're starting at the other team's 30 every time. I agree. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, are they in a better, are they in a worse spot? I mean, it's hard to not think they, they aren't because you've got key guys being free agents. 
they don't have a lot of cap space at all. Like this was, this was the money window where before Allen's contract starts going, you know, gets really big and it eats up a ton of your cap. This yeah. was, these were the freebie years. These were the years where it's like, you better win now because it gets a lot harder after that. And just, you know, just for financial reasons. Well, they didn't do it. And now you're staring at an off season where there's not a lot of cap space and they can't really solve it by just, you know, cutting guys, tra- even trading some guys that get punished for it. So it's, it's dicey. It gets a lot dicier and you, you, you got to hope that Bean is on top of it. You got to hope that McDermott learns something out of this <laughs> somehow, because it's just, I don't know. It, it, it's very strange. I know Leslie Frazier's taken a beating, but I mean, listen, Maybe don't have your corners play 10 yards off the ball all game long. Like just, I, I know we're going to get into that stuff, but like, it's just a lot of the same dumb mistakes from, from last year. And it's, you know, it's coaching, it's decision-making. It's all, it's every, it was everything yesterday, but now the road gets a lot harder. I agree. And you just, I mean, you perfectly decorated the first takeaway that I had. And it was, look, the window is always going to be, and we use that word all the time in all sports to win or to win a championship. The window's always going to be there as, as long as Josh Allen's healthy and as long as he's playing at a level that he usually does, or at least that he's very capable of playing at, that window's always going to be there. But these last two years, again, you go back to last year, 13 seconds, Kansas City, they win that game. The way that offense looked against New England and Kansas City, there's no way they're losing at home to Cincinnati. And then this year, you, it was set up perfect. You have a wild card round where... You're playing a third-string quarterback and a lot of other guys, key guys on Miami, including Mostert, who killed him a couple weeks prior to that. He's out. So that's set up. Then you got Cincinnati, who's a great team, but they got to come to Buffalo. And again, three, dude, they went out last offseason and spent a shitload of money on Alex Kappa and Mm -hmm. uh, Collins. Both of them were out, and their first-round pick, Jonah Williams, is out their left tackle. So they got neither tackle and their right guard is both out, or the left guard, all out. It's set up. And then you got, if you win that game, you got now a hobbled Patrick Mahomes on an ankle and you're not even going to Arrowhead. You're going to Atlanta in a neutral site. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it doesn't get set up much better than that. And the Bills flat out blew it. And again, the window's going to be open, but I don't know that it's going to be open any wider than it was these past two years. Um, mm-hmm. A takeaway that I have too, it, with Brandon Bean. This team, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. It's it doesn't feel like a team. And I know there's nothing we can do about it because there's mm-hmm. not going to be a dome. So let's save that conversation because it ain't happening. Right. But this does not feel like a team that's built for, or that's a match for playing in Orchard Park in December and in January. The Buffalo Bills very much are a speed team, a finesse team on defense. They're not overly physical. They're fast. They get to the ball quick. They rely on their footing. They cover a lot of space. But you get these elements with the wind or the snow, the rain, whatever, the wet snow, the cold, mm-hmm. and they're just not effective. Cincinnati, forget about Burrow or Chase and all these other star players. Their offensive line and defensive line push the Bills all over the field. Mm-hmm. And that's not – coaching matters. And we're going to talk about coaching. But the style, the way the Bills are built doesn't seem conducive. Like this feels to me, Joe, like a team that should be playing in L.A. Or Tina should be playing in Indianapolis, a dome, something like that. Mm-hmm. Playing outside Orchard Park, the elements, just don't feel like this is the right style of team that's ever going to be really effective in Buffalo in January. Which is, 
That's a problem. I mean, that was yeah. a big reason why Allen was the guy they zeroed in on to draft him because, sure. they, because he had the big arm. They're like, he's got, I mean, it, it became a bit of a meme for, for a while after they drafted him. They're like, oh, big hands, big arm, can, you know, windows and bother him, blah, 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 mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I, it, it certainly didn't affect, I mean, maybe the elbow is a little bit whatever, but he was still launching the ball. Sure. He could still throw it, but you know, the footing, you know, footing on this on, on a field like that is tough, but didn't seem to bother Cincinnati too much. They didn't, but they weren't throwing deep ball. You know, they took a shot at, you know, you know, once every, you know, 10 passes or so, but they kept everything short and they knew that they had offensive line issues and they kept the pattern short. Everything was, you know, it was like a two-step drop and then, then gun it. And then suddenly, you know, you're doing that and you know, there's not a corner or a, or a linebacker or a safety right there waiting for them that guy can move and they got guys that can move, you know, Higgins can do it. Chase can do it. All these guys can play the tight end got open a few times underneath. And it was a lot, it was a lot of stuff like that where it's, they look more like a team that knew how to handle what the, you know, what, what the conditions were going to be like. They were able to run a lot. Mixon was, Mixon was really tough. He was really tough. P Ryan was really tough. Like they could, but they were able to gash the, the bills defense at will when they needed to run, they did it. And, you know, even Burrow got loose a couple of times, but, um, but everything about it just screamed that it, it, the bills played it like they were on the road. You're right. Like that, it, it screamed of them, like not being comfortable in the elements. Like, I know it was a loud place. My buddies of mine were there. They were like, it was incredibly loud early on, but you know, you give up a touchdown on the first drive, five minutes into the game. That's, everybody gets quiet really fast after that. And then, you know, when in a, like an instant three and out, and then suddenly you're down 14, nothing. And it's like, uh Oh, this is a bit, this is a problem. I really can't remember the last time I, I tuned into a bills game and I yelled at my TV before the kickoff started before Sunday, because I was adamant and, and I was right in this case. And again, I call myself out when I'm wrong, which is quite often, Joe, I wanted the bills to win the toss and get the football. And they did mm-hmm. win the toss, but they deferred. And I mm-hmm. circled back to a couple of weeks ago, that Monday night game where just, it was just nine minutes of action, but we saw a lot. Mm-hmm. The Bengals won that toss and they said, dude, fuck this shit. We're taking the ball, mm-hmm. we're going down, we're getting up seven none. It's literally what they did. Mm-hmm. Sunday, what happened? The same thing. <laughs> same thing. Yep. I wanted the Bills to get the ball. The Bills, look, and, and this kind of leads to another takeaway of mine here. Um, it's fair to conclude about injuries and events taking a toll on them or, you know, Tim Graham wrote a piece for the athletic and he said they hit an emotional wall, which is fair. It's true. Micah Hyde, all pro player, didn't play it down this year. Vaughn Miller, the guy they gave a ton of money to, who by the way, was playing like an all pro defensive end, tears his ACL. Trey White missed most of the year, came back. He was a shell of himself, including on Sunday. Jordan Poyer played with, massive injuries all season long. I mean, this guy was hurt all year. The the blizzard, the DeMar Hamlin thing, they mm-hmm. hit a wall. Matt Milano talked about it after the game, or, or I should say on Monday, especially lacking energy. Josh Allen kind of alluded to the same thing. And that's because they fell down 14, nothing early and yep. just didn't have that fight. They didn't have no more fight left in them mm-hmm. for this year. So again, you pretty much conceded them going up seven, nothing. Yep. Um, the Bills first series, if you remember this, it was third down. And this mm-hmm. is Josh Allen. You got to put this on Josh. Stephon Diggs had to step on the guy, do the ball deep, yep. didn't connect with him. He throws a good pass. It's probably 7-7. Yeah. Brand new ball game. 
But that didn't happen, and they kind of uh, they ran out of energy quick. Do you think that's a fair assessment to say, not to make an excuse, because I do think right. the Bengals are a better football team, especially when you account for all the injuries and stuff the Bills have without Hyde, without Miller. Mm-hmm. But is that fair to you to say that uh, yes. emotions and, and just the, the season, the adversity that they had overcome, all the comebacks and stuff like that, that it finally mm-hmm. caught up to them. Once they got down, they just didn't have mentally and emotionally in it. They didn't have an in them to, to have an answer. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, you've got, I mean, you got the home crowd on your side, but you know, you give up, like I said, you know, give up a score, you know, five, six minutes into the game. Like, mm-hmm. well, that takes the crowd out. Okay. Yep. That's, that's tough. But all you got to do is string a couple of plays together on offense. You can get them right back into it. Sure. You know, get everybody, you know, be like, all right, whatever. We're in this. We, we, you know, touchdown ain't nothing, which for this team, touchdown ain't nothing. I would even argue two touchdowns ain't nothing, but two touchdowns in the first quarter and it's the playoffs. And you know how good the, the team is on the other side. It's it, it, it was a perfect setup for Cincinnati because it, t- it took the legs right out from underneath the, the bills because it's just like, pfft, We've been coming back all year. We've been doing this all season long. And, you know, at some point it just stops. Let and me, it's, and me, it's not the player's fault. Like it's, it's not, I mean, I'm, it isn't, it isn't the player's fault, but it's like you do it constantly all season long. And, you know, with how that situation was yesterday where, you know, even against Miami, like things weren't totally clicking. They kind of were because Miami's not that good, but, um, but still it was a lot of, there, there was a lot of smoke and mirrors going on with some of that stuff sure. where the problems were not, the problems are there, but you can ignore them because Miami can't do anything about them in the first place. Cincinnati can, and Cincinnati did. Let me drop and, a stat on you. you're running against it and you're just kind of like, all right, well, what do we do? You, know, you get stuck and then, you know, your first two series, you're toast and then forget it. Let me drop a stat on you about those first two series that you speak of. 16 plays. Nine plays of those 16 went for first down. This is the Bengals' first three drives. Yeah. 9.1 yards per play and 14 points. Yep. Now, again, I'm going to criticize Sean McDermott for a lot more than deferring a kickoff. Right? But my right. point being is you saw them do this once and you're already, you know, low on, you know, you're low. The, the, the gas is low on, on mental energy and emotion yeah. after everything you've been through. Try to get out and score first. Get this crowd crazy. Right. Um, I just, I really hated that, which kind of leads to my, to another takeaway I have here. I think it's fair now to wonder out loud, which we are, (laughs) if Sean McDermott (laughs) will ever get the bills over the hump, man. Um, look, emotion, mental draining, whatever you want to call it. The bottom line is this, this is a football team in a playoff game that looked flat, that looked tight that looked unprepared mm-hmm. and this is the third straight year now that the Buffalo Bills and a lot of this falls on Leslie Frazier as well this stat at least is the third straight year where the Bills had a top five defense top three to five defense in the NFL put up great numbers during the regular season and then in the playoffs when they get bounced the defense just implodes mm-hmm. three times now in three years the Bills have given up in elimination games, 36 points and 417 yards per game in their last three playoff losses. Do you, do you think Sean McDermott has the uh, the balls, I guess I'm asking you at this point, to 
make some changes, some tough, tough, tough decisions, tough changes in the staff. And we'll talk offense in a second, which by the way, Ken Dorsey ain't going nowhere. I'm telling you that right now. No. Josh Allen handpicked this Allen's guy. One year, he ain't going nowhere unless he gets the Carolina job, which ain't going to happen. Um, I'm talking more about Leslie Frazier. And just Sean McDermott. Again, you go back to 13 seconds last year, man. You go to the way they get bounced, the way they just look lifeless on a Sunday. You could have some emotional and mental drainage excuses. But come on, man. This team just did not look ready to play football. It's got to be on the coach. It, 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 I think that's a big part of it. I think it's, I, it's definitely a big part of it. And, and you know what? I mean, Bill's got it to back to 14-7, right? You know, Allen runs in the touchdown. He's he's talking shit at, at sure. the Bengals guys, like getting everybody pumped up. Like, that's totally why he's doing it. He gets the crowd going. Crowd loves that stuff. And then, yeah, then nothing. Like, the defense doesn't, you know, doesn't really make a stand. Offense doesn't come back and do anything. And it's, it's you know, that, that, that more applies to the emotional stand of things because they had a shot there making it 14 seven being like, okay, we're, we're back in this one. Um, but when it comes to McDermott, geez, man, I, I was, I was very critical of a lot of the stuff after the Kansas, the Kansas city game last year, 13 seconds. I was really critical of that. And my long view on it as, you know, again, as a watcher, not a fan was you got to take a long look. And I think we agreed on this. You got to take a long look at him. And wonder if he's your guy, yeah. because the, because the mistakes that were made in that game are ones that no coach should make. No, nope. like you know, like you got to tell your kicker, squib it. You got to tell your, you know, you, you got to have everybody on point. Everybody's got to know. Um, you know, it, you get to overtime, you got to tell your defense, you know, stop giving Travis Kelsey fifteen yards, you know, room. Like stop doing all like all those things. It's just everything where it's just kind of like, okay, let's make sure that doesn't happen. And use do they use a timeout twice to go back to a right. prevent defense to allow Kansas City a chance. I can't believe we're still talking about thirteen seconds. Yeah, but it's fitting. It fits this. But, but like that's where it starts. Sure. Like, like that's that's where it's like, uh oh, is this the guy? Is he the guy that's going to be able to do this? And, you know, the, the offense, I mean, the offense was still very good this year. In my mind, it feels like it was more conservative, but Allen still, you know, had the same yardage, you know, all that stuff. It's, but it felt like they were doing things a little, you know, there's a lot more running. They had more success doing it. So that's fine. Um, but it felt like they were a little bit more conservative in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, that that's Dable. Like Dable, like we saw Dable ran the Giants this year. He's a madman. Like, yeah, he does what's unexpected. He does, you know, wild stuff. He turned Daniel Jones into a great, uh, pretty good quarterback. So, you know, that's that. But I, I think what, you know, and we knew Dayball was going to go, uh, you know, as soon as the season was over last year, we knew he was going somewhere else. But you had to wonder, like, okay, if this is more of a McDermott-like offense, how much or less conservative does it get? You know, because Dorsey, I mean, it's his first, you know, OC job you know, he's not going to change the offense too much. Cause why, why would you, <laughs> you know, there's no reason to do it, but it feels like something where maybe McDermott's flexing a little bit more control. And again, we don't know, we don't know, but if he's got more of a hand on, I mean, obviously head coach has final say, but if Dorsey's like, Hey, we're going to do this. And he goes, no, we're not doing that. Like I, I, I think of the punt, Oh geez, the, the punt yesterday, uh, like I, I forget when it, when it was in the game, uh, Which time? Because it was more than once, right? That, well, I guess we could pick out both of them then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, those are those were situations where last year's Bills—they do not punt that ball; they go for it and they say, "All right, well, if we don't get it, these got it." 
if he can stop this. But there was no, it, it was one of those it lacked confidence kind of things in either situation. Either lack confidence or just doesn't want to, you know, give up the chance of giving Cincinnati a short field where you know they're going to score. That you absolutely know they're going to score. Miami, you can, you know, you can, you kind of wing it with them. Granted, you know, interceptions and fumbles, whatever, like that's different. But, um, but Cincinnati, you, you can't take that chance. But at the same point, you got to put it back on them and make them start thinking because we've seen Cincinnati fold up big time on defense in previous games, like just this past season, like just this season late in the year, we've just seen it where, you know, Cincinnati gets way ahead and then suddenly, uh Oh, it's whittled down, whittled down. Burrow's got to go hero mode and then he does, but I don't know. And nobody, no, I can't say nobody because we're talking about it, but like there's a lot of people don't really want to get into it about McDermott, but like, he's not going anywhere. There's, there's, there's no shot, but it's fair to criticize and it's fair to critique that maybe he doesn't have a handle on these moments and these situations because he's too worried about making the wrong choice or, you know, making a choice where it's just going to fall, you know, it's going to fail, but you know, man, like it's the playoffs. Every team you play is going to be really good, except maybe in the first round, you know, (laughs) New England wasn't good last year. Miami wasn't good this year, but you you can't just play it even like you have work to your strengths and just do what you can. Like, I mean, if, if it means, you know, having Allen do a roll, you know, a QB rollout gets you a few yards to get a first down and fourth down. Cool. Whatever, like whatever it takes, just do it and be happy with it because you can do it because you have the guys that can do it. Like that's the whole thing with the bills. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them. You're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sports books to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, 
key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you could keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. Is it fair, staying with Sean McDermott here after the break, is it fair to say that he is, without question, he's a, he's a good character coach. He's a leader of mm-hmm. men. He did a phenomenal job when everything that happened with DeMar Hamlin. I, I don't want to lose sight of that. We, we heaped praise on him then, and I'm going to continue to do that because it was deserved. There's no, there's no questioning that. But when it comes to game management and decision-making, I think back to last year as a reference point, and maybe even the championship game before in 2020 when they got kind of smoked by the Chiefs, but he was very conservative. This is a team that I feel like it was, all right, so near the end of the first half on Sunday, it's fourth and 10. Mm-hmm. But you're at the Cincinnati 41, and there's 40 right. seconds left. He punted, and he did that out of fear because his mindset was, if we don't pick up 10 yards, the Bengals are going to have the ball on the 41-yard line with, you know, probably 35 seconds or so left, and maybe they add to their lead. He was operating out of position of fear. You have an mm-hmm. offense, a high-powered offense, with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. It feels like during a regular season or whatever, that's a play where they go for it. But they didn't do that on Sunday, which is mind-boggling because, again, it was pretty obvious to you and I and pretty much everyone watching the game that the Bills were going to struggle on defense to stop Cincinnati the whole game. So you got to score with them, but they've yep. it. Later, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that second punt. Gabe Davis, who I just, man, um, I'm, I say it all the time. I'm a founding member of the Gabe Davis fan club. Mm-hmm. I got to resign because <laughs> the guy makes good plays. He made a great catch early in the game on Sunday, yep. but he drops the ball. These deep balls, he drops 50% of them. You know, I'm not talking about overthrowing or underthrowing. I'm talking about he hit his hands and he drops the ball. Yep. And that was a backbreaking play. It was third and two. But anyway, mm-hmm. again, you're down 14 points at the time. There's one, it was at the end of the third quarter when that happened. So there was two seconds left in the third quarter. But again, you're down 14, fourth and two. Have Josh Allen roll out and try to get, try to pick it up. You got to play aggressive. You got to play with the, with the mindset that we need to score every possession because our defense is not stopping them. So I don't know what made him think that the defense was going to suddenly start playing good. No one on the defense played good except for Matt Milano. Period. End of story. Mm -hmm. Anyway. He operates out of a, a position of fear. And also, it, it happened twice against Miami. They wasted, it didn't end up mattering against Miami, but they had to waste two timeouts on defense against Miami. Yep. They wasted another timeout. It didn't end up mattering again with the Bengals because they can't get the right mm-hmm. goddamn calls in, man. Yeah. I'm just, I don't know. I don't have confidence at this point that he is the guy who's going to make in-game adjustments and decisions to get the Bills over the hump. So to continue on your point, like I said before the break, I think it's very fair to to praise him as a leader of men, but mm-hmm. also say, you know, this guy's just not getting it done when it matters. I mean, 13-3 and three in the regular season, you can't, you know, there's nothing to sneeze at here. But mm-hmm. what does it matter when you go out in the fashion uh, 
that they did Sunday. And the, the whole leader of men thing, the character thing, that means a lot. But, man, I ain't trying. I want to win football game. I'm trying to win right. a Super Bowl here. And I don't know that he's the guy that's going to be able to do it. I just don't at this point. And it's not even like losing in the AFC title game. Like you can, you know, you can almost, you can, I mean, it, it hurts more, but you can stomach it more if it's, if it's a, you know, if sure. it's a tight game in that situation. We're talking divisional round. We're talking, you know, when and you get to the AFC title game like that, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's a spot where a team that goes 14 and three in the regular season should probably win, you know, and it's not to put down Cincinnati. Cincinnati's was excellent. But, it, you know, you're the favorite. You're at home. You got home field. Like, that's that's where you should be good. And, you know, I look at, you know, I look at some of the plays Kansas City was making uh, against Jacksonville. And, you know, they busted out, like, what, an option play at some point just to kind yeah. of screw with Jacksonville. Jacksonville's D is good. It's pretty good defense they've got there. But, like, yeah, it didn't bother Andy Reid any. Like, he's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's, we'll, we'll keep doing what we do. You know, oh, Mahomes' ankle's kind of a mess. Yeah, whatever. Okay, we'll, we'll still do this it doesn't stop them from being creative. It doesn't stop them from doing, you know, from pushing things the other way because it, it's a, it's a pressure point. And when you're, you know, it's a fourth and one or a fourth and two and you're just kind of like, ah, let's, let's punt. You've given into that pressure. It's a, it's a, the whole game is a, is a high pressure moment, but like make the other team's defense, make a play. You know, that's, that's always, that, that's always my thought on it. Like, yes, it's pressure on you to make your, to, to, to execute and get your play done make them make a play. Maybe they make a mistake. Maybe you bust it out and you get 25 yards out of play. Stuff like that happens. You know, it's, it's, and I don't, and I don't know if it's, I can't imagine it's a lack of trust. I can't imagine that McDermott doesn't trust the guys that he's putting out there because if he doesn't, I don't know what he, you know, cause then you, then you raise the question of like, well, why the hell is he a coach? If he's, if he doesn't trust the guys that he's putting on the field, yeah. like that's, that's where that, that comes into play. But if it's just, if it's just being conservative because, he's worried that it's going to come back and bite him right away. If it doesn't work, like, I don't know, man, so, like, you're not going to know unless you try it. Like, and he didn't try Like, that's the thing. He, he doesn't try it. He didn't really do it against Kansas city last year. He didn't do it against Cincinnati this time around. It's just like, we can't, we can't just give them the ball and then have that cost us the game. Well, dude, you're down two scores. Yeah. Like you gotta do, you gotta do something. You gotta do something to try because you know what your defense is doing against that team. You hand them the ball right back. They could grind out a nine minute drive. Sure. And you can't do anything about it. Yeah. And then you're, then where are you after that? I, I agree. Look, I, I can, you can convince me that punting on fourth and two in your own territory when there's still a full quarter left and you're down 14, you can convince mm-hmm. me that that's not a, a scared call, that that's a, a logical call, but you can't convince me when it's fourth and 10 on their 41 with 40 seconds left and you're down multiple scores that you know mm-hmm. trust your office to get 10 yards because you're worried that Cincinnati will take over from the 40 that's operating out of a position of fear I want to read one tweet from you it's from a guy named or for, for you I should say it's, it's not say, I, I, don't, don't, I, I don't remember see, seeing anything bills uh, you did, definitely <laughs> did not see anything bills this is I want to read a tweet for you I don't have it to put up on the YouTube screen so I'm just gonna have to read it here it's from a guy named Matt Dibble he tweeted at me and I couldn't agree more with what he said this is in regards to what we're talking about with slow starts and McDermott. He says, looking unprepared for games such as slow starts, sloppy play, big mistakes has been a problem most of the season. Most of the time they were able to overcome with individual moments of brilliance. Yesterday, the Bengals came in, dialed in and never gave them a chance. Big credit to them. It is kind of important. You know, we talked about it here at the beginning of the show and let's do it again. 
Let's give some credit to the Cincinnati Bengals, who are a very good football team. It's not like the Bills lost at home to the Houston Texans right? in the divisional round. It sucks to say that, you know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. they're good. Here's the thing, too. We're talking about the defense, defense, defense. Sean McDermott, Sean McDermott. Yo, here's my last kind of big takeaway here. Joe, by the way, Joe from Queens, Buffalo wins on Twitter. I told you this before we started to tape, but I put up a clip. If you don't want to listen to the whole episode, folks, go on my Twitter, at Pamoran Tweets. I put up a four-minute clip of Joe just going absolutely ape shit on the Bills' offense. He had some really good points. The Buffalo Bills allocate too much draft assets on the defense and not enough supporting Josh Allen, who, by the way, End of the day, the Bills scored 10 points at home against the Bengals. Let's not lose Mm -hmm. sight of that, Joe. Right. As a fan, you know, you you can't be dominant on both sides of the ball. And you look at what the Bills have done on offense over the last couple of years. And Joe pointed this out, and he's right. You have to go all the way back to 2019 since the Bills signed anyone in free agency on more than a one-year deal. 2019, they signed Beasley and Brown and Mitch Morse. They've done nothing basically since then. Emmanuel Sanders, Jameson Crowder, Roger Saffold, these one-year, they bring back Cole Beasley. You know, these one-year kind of prove that you still got something left deals. They have not drafted a wide receiver in the first three rounds in any draft since Brandon Bean has been the general manager. Not Mm -hmm. one. Gabe Davis, the fourth rounder, that was their highest pick in four years now. They're just... They're relying too much on Josh Allen to be a hero, and they're not yep. taking their assets. I mean, they did draft James Cook, a second-round running back, for, but for the most part, they need to invest more in the offensive line. They absolutely need a wide receiver, too, now. You saw what T. Higgins brings to an offense when you got a legit, true second-wide receiver. This is a team that badly needs to say to ourselves, we better get Josh Allen more and stop expecting him to be able to do everything himself. You know what I'm saying? That, that, to me, that's a, a big takeaway. Oh yeah. And it, it ties into something that, you know, that, uh, that percent of offense going through players that, that we looked at early in the season where it was, you know, Allen was doing everything and it was like, Oh, how much mm-hmm. the offense is like, Oh, that's a lot. It was like 85, like 85% of the offense was because of Allen throwing or running. And it's like, I mean, you know, if you're throwing the ball a lot and that's 85%, okay, cool. But if he's your, the bulk of your running game, that's not cool because now it, there's not a play where, not that there's a play you can take off as a quarterback, but like there's not like that's 85% of the plays where he can take a, a monster hit, you know, cause it gets sacked you get popped in the backfield. You're just throwing the ball. Okay. That's a risk. You can, that's a risk you can accept. But when you're, you know, sending them out running, I mean, Jesus, some of the pops that he took yesterday, you know, second half when he took off running, Holy Jesus. Yeah. And, and you know, not only that, but pretty lucky to not get a, you know, have that uh, the one play be a fumble. Uh, late in the game, because uh, that was that was really close to being called a fumble, and like he got, you know, the wrestling re- you know reference here. He got, you know, he got total elimination there. He got, you know, he got hit up high, and then you know hit in the midsection. That, yeah, that hurt. Like that, I mean, Allen was rocked on that one, but you need to find a way to get help, or you got to protect him, or both. Like ideally, both. Like you make the line better and then get him some help so that he doesn't have to do everything, like almost literally everything. And if he, you know, if he doesn't get it done, then it's like, well, you know, we're not doing anything today, guys. It stinks. But he was playing. I mean, Jesus, I want to say it was, uh, well, no, the green Bay game was a total different beast, but like there for most of the second half of the season, 
he was, we it was a lot more of 2018, 2019 Allen than it was the guy that we saw last year where it was a lot of, you know, the, the Brett Farvish, you know, I'll just throw it up there. Somebody will get it. And then no, somebody didn't. I would say, uh, look, man, the offensive line is not good enough. Let, let, let's throw that out there right now. They're not good 100%. enough. They're, um, Roger Saffold, they signed him for one year. I thought he was a disaster. I thought it was terrible in pass blocking. Deion Dawkins, I thought he regressed a little bit at left tackle. Uh, Spencer Brown, ditto. Yeah. I, I yeah. thought he might take a big step in year two. He positively did not. In fact, I'd go as far as to say right now that right tackle might be a high priority for the Buffalo Bills next year. Ryan mm-hmm. Bates, all right. Mitch Morris is still pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, he's in the twilight of his career, though. They got to do something with his offensive line. I'll tell you, let me, let me ask you to see, obviously now in hindsight, it's regretful, but the Bills made a mistake by not being a little more aggressive during a trade deadline. You look at the 49ers and they gave up a ton, but they got Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. San Francisco 49ers are still playing right now. Hell of a roster. So the Bills got a hell of a roster. Right. The Bills traded for Naheem Himes. Good kick returner, paid dividends one game against the Patriots because he ran back two kicks. Nothing on offense. He basically did nothing on offense. He never had a big role in this offense. I think the Bills dropped the ball, and, and it's easy to be an armchair quarterback, a Monday morning quarterback, which is literally what we're doing right now with right. this podcast, but not going out and getting either an upgrade at wide receiver. I mean, they were putting out feelers for Odell, but he was obviously never healthy to play. But whether it was a, be- a better running back than Singletary or a better receiver than Gabe Davis, Josh needed another guy. He needed help, and they never went out. And I think they paid the price for that on Sunday. The thing with, with Hines that gets me is that you trade for him. It's like, okay, you know, which you're like, all right, it's already a crowded backfield. You got Singletary, you got Cook, you know, you, you had Moss, um, but you, you know, you move out Moss to get Hines, which, okay, great. But I'm, I'm looking at the game, the game stuff outside of the kick returns, like targets and carries. Yeah. Not and much, really. not much. Like, I'm, I'm kind of one, two, three, five. Six, seven, nine, eleven, twelve. Twelve targets in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games. That's receiving. Rushing, again, running back, rushing. Uh one, two, four, five, six rushes in twelve games. Use the guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, people are like, oh, they should have got Christian McCaffrey. I'm like, would McCaff- like look at what the Niners have done with McCaffrey. He's he gets a he gets tons of targets and carries. Like he, he's the guy. If you're if Naheem Hines is going to be your you know, I, I I don't know if it's like you know, you know second prize to to McCaffrey. Well, Jesus, how do you know what you have if you're not going to use him? Like that's that's what gets me. And, and I think that's a I think that's another McDermott thing is that new guys, whether they be rookies or just new guys in general. I mean. It, Mid-season's a little different because you got to learn stuff. I, I get it. But holy smokes, like if you got these new guys, don't you want to know what they got before it's, you know, you're, you're eight, nine weeks into the season? And if you're it, you know, Naheem's, Naheem Hines' case, like before you're playing New England in week 17, you know, week 17 and they're week 18 and, you know, he's just running kicks back. Like, I mean, come on. Like, it's it's crazy to add a guy and then not use him for anything. That's nuts. The the problem, one of the problems with the Bills, is you're, you're going to be a Super Bowl favorite all preseason, going into the season, into the season, but it never felt like they were committed to being all in to win the Super Bowl right now. It felt like they were almost too concerned about not even just the present, but also the future. 
For an example, bringing in Ken Dorsey, who's never been an OC before. You know, maybe you're better off getting a veteran to have that job. It's like they didn't want to bring in a, a specific running back or a specific receiver because maybe that might take some growth away from Khalil Shakir or James Cook. That, that's the wrong attitude to have, the wrong mindset. Again, if you can get a guy who's going to help you win right now, a guy like, look, there's only a couple of Christian McCaffrey's in the NFL, so you know, I don't right. want to just throw his name out there. You know what I'm saying, though. There's lots of guys in this league right now. If the Bills would have went out and traded for him, a running back or receiver, they could have helped this year. Again, bottom line, 10 points. One other thing about the Bills, too. I, I really, this is kind of a depressing thing. I told you, I took a two-hour depression nap on Sunday, not too long after um, the game. I realized that the, the Bills lost to a better team. I, I truly feel that. I mean, you take the quarterbacks and you maybe they're a wash. The mm -hmm. Bengals receivers are better than the Bills receivers. If you dig mm -hmm. and chase, maybe they're a wash. After that, clear advantage at um, Cincinnati. Yeah. Tight ends. Yeah. Tight ends pretty close. The offensive line, the Bengals line was no worse than the Bills, and that was with three starters out. I think mm -hmm. the Bengals, um, the running, Joe Mixon is a significantly better running back than anything the Bills yeah. have. I think the Cincinnati Bengals defensive line is significantly better than the Buffalo Bills defensive line, which really sucks considering how many first and second round picks are, are on that defensive line for the Bills right now. Mm -hmm. The linebacker, sure, we'll get that to the Bills. Secondary, and maybe if the Bills are completely healthy, which never was the case this year, the secondary for the Bills would be better. But I just feel like the Bills, and the Bengals are just better coached. I mean, yep. and that was obvious. I just mm -hmm. feel like the Bills lost to a better team. I didn't feel that way last year when the Bills lost to Kansas City. But I feel mm -hmm. that way now. And I don't know if I like that or, or if it really bothers me more. Because, again, circling back, I don't think this team's as close as we want them to be. Yeah. I the, the, the I, I think, you know, maybe it's a case that the Bills just, you know, stayed sedentary and Cincinnati got better with it. Because, I mean, they, they've made a lot of improvements on their defense, too. Like, going sure. back to before last season, they like added – added all these guys in the line and it was you know, because they had to drastically change their line because it didn't do anything for them before. And then suddenly they're getting in the backfield and they're, 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 you know, they're getting, getting at the quarterback yesterday. The, the bills had no idea where anybody was, was blitzing from. They had no clue where guys were coming from, whether they're coming on the end or if it was, you know, coming out of the secondary to blitz, they had no idea where anybody was, was coming from. And it was like, it was as if they didn't watch any tape and like they didn't have an idea you know, and you know, maybe that's on Allen. Maybe it's on the offense. Like the, maybe it's on Dorsey. It, who knows? But that's. But to me, that's the defensive coordinator knowing that if we change these looks all the time, they're they're going to get confused and they're not going to know where anything's coming from. And if we can get in the backfield, they're in trouble. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And you know what? You, you you mentioned the secondary. Like, yeah, if they have Poyer and Hyde, yeah, probably better. You know, you know, Trey White being nor you know, kind of back to normal would help too. But you had a rookie, what, rookie corner safety for Cincinnati show out big time yesterday. Like, was a big player, was all over the place. He got the interception late in the game. Like, you know, again, that's a rookie. First year guy. Like, they trust him to be out there in those situations. I laugh. I laugh. You don't, Cam Taylor Britt had a great game for yeah. the Bengals. And I laugh because Aaron Quinn and I, during mock draft season, literally took that guy in the second round for the Bills. <laughs> I think four of our five mock drafts. So to watch him go on and become such a uh, a special player. I'll tell you one, one last thing. I don't want to spend a couple minutes talking about Sabres before I let you go here. Um, a lot of Bills fans, and for good reason, they're clamoring for significant major change. Mm -hmm. I don't see it happening, though. 
no. first of all, to your point, and you said this, and you're right, McDermott ain't going nowhere. Nope. Ken Dorsey ain't going nowhere. Nope. You look at the offense, and you look at the right. Devin Singletary is going to be gone. James Cook is going to be that number one guy next year. And I yep. think Hines was traded in part, so he'll be the number two next year. Mm-hmm. But, like, you look at the receivers. Stefan's obviously back. Um, mm-hmm. Khalil Shakir is back. He'll have a bigger role, and I, I do like what he brings. Um, McKenzie's under contract for next year. And Gabe Davis, who, God, it's so, he's so, he's such an enigma and it's frustrating. But here's yep. the deal. He's on a rookie contract and he's going into his last year. They're not going to cut him. I'll tell you no. that right now. No. So then they still go on and spend significant money on a, on a number two receiver where they got Gabe Davis, who's going to be here. I don't know. Offensive line, they'll, they'll, they'll change left guard. Saffold will be, he won't be back. He's a free agent. Maybe they right. use a high pick on a defensive tackle. But my point is this. On the offensive side of the ball, we want all this big change. There's not a lot of guys who aren't going to be back next year. Uh, Saffold and Singletary are the only two I can think of for sure on the offense. That 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 won't be back, man. Yeah, it's uh it sets up very badly. <laughs> uh, I mean, it could I mean, you could look at it and be like, "Oh, this is great. This will be perfect." But uh, there, but I, I, I keep looking back. I, I, I had to open up spot track to look at what they've got, you know, for next season for, you know, cause they've already flipped the calendar for them. 2023 salary cap. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it and a lot of middle of the road, not important free agents. With the exception of Tremaine yeah. Edmonds and Poyer. Poyer's gone. He's going to go get paid somewhere else. Evans yeah. will be interesting to see how it plays out. But yeah, offensive leaders, not a lot of guys that matter. It's not like they got a lot of tough decisions to make and it, and with Gabe on a rookie contract they're not going to cut him so oh no way. I don't know but you, you gotta go you gotta go get Josh Allen a, a weapon and you gotta get better pass blocking too by the way the Bengals were getting they only sacked him once but they were in his face they were putting a lot of pressure on him with just three four rushers most of the game the offensive line's yeah. got to improve they got it's got to be priority number one this offense but I just, I just don't know how you're going to fix it because yeah, the the cap totals, like their estimated cap space for the top 51 guys, again, you know, top 51 guys is minus $5 million. Yeah. Like, wh- I, what, I don't know what you have to restructure a lot of guys or make 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 trades, I guess. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, it I know trades aren't really window. the thing for the NFL, but like, uh, how else do you get out of that? Like, that's what, that's what I don't get. They'll make some moves, but yeah, to your point, it's going to be hard. And to our point earlier, the window was never going to be more wide open than it was right now. They'll find, they'll figure some stuff out, but they got to add, they got to add. You cannot, if they're going to go in the next season saying, well, we're going to count on Khalil Shakir to become a star and James Cook to become a star. I think mm-hmm. you're playing with fire again. I think you need to get at least a, a a big upgrade at right tackle or left guard or maybe both, and you need to get another wide receiver. That far and away needs to be the priority. And Joe Buffalo wins. He goes adamant about the, he hates how much we spent on the defense and, and draft picks and, and cash. Build the offense up. Make an offense that's designed to score 35 points a game, no matter if it's the Houston Texans or the Cincinnati Bengals that you're lined up against. Let me put a wrap on the Bills. Mike Catalano, Rochester guy, media guy. Perfect tweet. He says, offense, OL, offensive line, handled by Cincy, missed on big plays, defense, pushed around by backup offensive line, no pressure on Burrow, poor tackling, confusion in secondary, coaching, Dorsey, no imagination, Frazier never adjusted, McDermott wasted timeouts, punted too often, team not ready. Well, we, you can spend 
51 minutes like Joe and I did talking about this game, <laughs> or you can read a 240 character tweet and, and pretty much get the gist of uh, what was going on with the Bills. You said we wasted a bunch of time here, Pat? Jeez. <laughs> no, we didn't waste a bunch of time, man. We're talking it out here. Buffalo Sabres. Again, and by the way, uh, I said this at the beginning, I'll say it again. If you haven't already, make sure you go to notedhockey.substack.com. Subscribe. Um, Joe's Noted Hockey. Great stuff. This team remains interesting and fun to watch as we tape this. We're taping this Monday afternoon. They do play have a game on Monday night, so we don't know how that's going to play out before this. Right. Before we're done with this. But as we tape this, the Sabres are 23-19-3, 54 points, five points behind Pittsburgh for a wild card spot with a game in hand. And there's seven points behind the Capitals, but they got four games in hand. Uh, bottom line, Joe, and obviously you've been at the arena every single day. You know what's going on. They they semi-survived a brutal stretch where they lost five of six and uh, mm-hmm. only got three points total out of a possible 12. I haven't talked to you much about the Sabres lately. How, how are we feeling right now about this team? I'm talking about by we, I mean, if you're a Sabres fan, not a media guy. Yeah, I I think one thing Don Granados hit on is that this the team is better when when they're when they're fresh, which I think that applies to any team uh, in sports. If they're fresh, they're 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 good to go. But the when you look back at what Buffalo's schedule has been, holy smokes! I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. <laughs> it's honestly ridiculous what they've had to go through the last month. Because, and I got to bring it up for myself just so I can count these things off. But it's, I mean, let me go through it. Well, January is, it's already January, so whatever. Uh, no, 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 January is the good thing to look at. Sorry. I'm losing my mind here, Pat. It's fine. <laughs> um, but you go back to, you go back to January 1st and uh, like, okay, we're almost, you know, we're almost at the end of the month. But yeah. so it's January 1st. Okay. So, uh, so today it's 23rd today. So let's go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. 12, 12 games in 23 days, about to be 13 games in 24 days. That's a lot. And then 14 games in 26 days and then 15 games in 28 days. That's insane. That is, is, I mean, that's absolutely nuts. And the, the stretch of, you know, play four games a week is coming to an end this week. Finally, but you know, every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you can literally schedule your, your Sabres watching if you want to, but the fact that like this, the, even like leading up to the, the game against Anaheim on Saturday, like, you know, they took Friday off. They took the 20th off after Ryan Miller night, probably a good idea. Um, you know, there's no morning skate Saturday afternoon cause it's a 1230 start. So they're not doing that. And they came out and they beat the pants off the ducks. You know, they, they slog through that Islanders game. The Islanders are awful to watch. They're just, a, it's an abysmal team to watch play hockey. Just, just horrible. I feel bad for their fans. Jesus Christ, the, the friggin' Islanders are, it's, it's, it, it's like the, uh, I'm trying to think of them. Uh, I'm trying to think of the movie and I'm failing, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the, it's a movie where it's like, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is sitting there and he's like, he's like, like at the TV and he's watching, he's freaking out and he's, Oh my God, that's me watching the Islanders because I'm thinking of the goddamn devils from the nineties. It's the same <laughs> friggin' shit that they play. Yeah. It's horrible. And I, it's bad to say because I love like Ilya Sorokin's a great goalie, but like, Oh my God, man. Like it, everything was just like, just fucking shut the puck, please. But which they did, they, they shot the puck plenty. It's just, it's, it was horrible to get through it. But anyway, right. 
the, you know, the, the Millenite gets them pumped up. Like they were, they were, they were, they were ready to fly that night. If they played anybody, but the Islanders, they probably win that night seven to nothing or seven to one, something crazy. Like they just, they would beat the crap out of everybody. They lose a bad game in Chicago. Like that was, might be the worst loss of the season was that game in Chicago. They're up three to one. They lose four, three in overtime. Cannot do that. Cannot. Chicago's awful. I know they're playing better now. Much probably to their fans' chagrin, because we rem- we remember those days. Pat. We know it all too well, man. <laughs> man so, win. so like their like their their fans are pissed that the team's winning, but you know the players don't care. They don't give a crap about tanking and lotteries. Right. They don't give a shit about that stuff. So, sure. but, but like that's a that's a horrible loss. Now, granted, they're tired. You know, it was a it was a road game after a day ga- or a, a home game against Florida, which they lost four to one. Florida played great. Uh, they Sabers got a bit goalied in that one. Um, but, uh, you, know, you know, what are you going to do? But they had just won a great game in Nashville the Saturday before. So, but they've made their way through it. And it's just, it's, it's like a, it's, it's like the, it's just like a feats of the, the feats of Hercules or something like that, where they're just going through all these different challenges, all these teams, they got shut out by Philly and they get beat by Seattle, you know, lose to win it, but Winnipeg, Connor Hellebuck's incredible, you know, whatever, like, three straight home games you lose in a week and everybody's like, what the, what the hell's going on? This, yeah. this team stinks again, but I don't know. They get through the Isles game. They win that the ducks game started getting a little weird, but then they were just like, listen, these guys, these guys stink. We're, we're, we got this. And then they did, they, they took care of business. I'm really curious to see how this road trip goes because they have two games. Like it's talking about this with some people. If they go two one and one on this road trip, I would call that a success. Because Dallas at home with Ottinger, Dallas is incredible this season. They're they're very very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winnipeg on the road, we we already know we already saw we just saw them two weeks ago. Yep, uh, we know what they're about. They're a fantastic team this year as well. St. Louis is not so great, although Tarasenko might be back Tuesday night. That's very possible. But St. Louis is very mercurial. Who knows what they are? Minnesota, Minnesota's tough, but they can beat Minnesota. So like if they can get, let's say you can get eight points. If they get five out of eight points in this road trip, that's a good, that's a good as hell trip. And that takes you into, holy shit, dude, February. And they've got, they go from playing 15 games in 28 days to, with now granted all-star break is mixed into this, but they play two games in, in four in 14. Like, they go from going nonstop to like, yeah, we just got a lot of time to kick around and do nothing. Like it's it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. But they're I want to say they're in good shape because of that, though, because they get to rest up. They get to you know kind of recharge. They get definitely get to recharge the batteries. I don't even worry about Tage Thompson going to the All Star game. That's going to be a treat. Like the, you know whatever he's got to do interviews. That's fine. He gets to take the family to the beach. It's in Miami. Like it's great. Um, but then you know you get past that. It's when everything gets serious. Uh, you know, they go, they're going to go to the West coast. They got, you know, three games out West uh, with LA, Anaheim, San Jose, they should roll two of those teams easily like that. <laughs> Anaheim and San Jose games should be gimmies. Um, but then you're going to start getting into the teeth of it. You know, the, yeah, they, they got a home game against the Leafs coming in February. So get ready for that one. Um, but they go to Florida and then you get into March. March is another insane month with the schedule. Like it's, it's, batshit crazy like a couple weeks with four games so you know a road you know a couple home road back-to-backs where they go to long island on the back end of it both both times yeah that sucks um but like you know and then the end of the schedule if we get into april and things are getting tight 
Well, it'll be fun if, if things matter. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll but be different. Not used to it. Of the eight games they'll have in April, only two of them are at home, which could get interesting because some of these games are against teams that might be there with them in the race. Like Florida, I know everybody's down on Florida for good reason. Florida, I don't know. They played a few games where I'm like, I don't know, man. If they get they get hot, they could they could get caught up real quick. Uh, Detroit, Detroit's still hanging around them like that. That's there's that Carolina's involved in that mix too. The, the Rangers and the Devils, like that's that's a that's a brutal road back to back to have to end at the end of the final week of the season. It's good, like it, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But I like where this team's at. I like where they're at. I like the spirit that they've got. I like the, the way that they play more often than not. And now that they're going to have, you know, uh, the, the energy tanks are going to be full up again. I don't know. Let's see what they're about. I know the goalie thing, everybody's worried, you know, how they're going to handle three. Well, they figured it out by waving, waving and sending down Vinny Hinestroza. Like they'll find, they'll find a new place for him to go. But um, I don't know, man, it's uh, they'll, they'll, they'll run with it until they can't run with it. But as long as Lucan is playing the way he is, man, you got to play him. You have to play him. You have no choice. Like it's not like it was last year, where you're like right. he plays a few good games and you're like, yeah, I don't know. Then he gets hurt and that solves the problem. He's healthy. He's he's in good shape. He's in great shape. He's in great shape. And now he's he's bailing their asses out on a lot of games because he didn't see a lot of action in that Isles game, man. But he stood on his head. Like every chance that they had was a good one, and he he bumped them right out of there. So like, I don't know. It's 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 gonna be really interesting how that plays out, and then. Listen, if they're close to it, as we roll up on the deadline, they're going to make a move. I would bet anything on it. They'll make a move. This isn't going to be like with like the Bills when, you know, with Tyrod and friggin' Peterman where, you know, they're knocking on the door of the playoffs and they're like, well, Tyrod had a really bad game. So here was the plan all along. Like there was no, like they have an idea what they wanted to do, what they want to do with the Sabres, but like losing games is not part of that. It's just they're ahead of schedule in the fact that they're winning and they're competing so hard and that they, they, they are in the race. Like that's, that's the only difference. A lot of people, like a lot of us thought they would not be this close to it, but now they are. And when you're that close to it, this part of the season, man, you got to go for it. The Buffalo Sabres potentially being um, trade deadline buyers. That is definitely an interesting uh, <laughs> vibe and not one that I am used to um, hearing about much less uh, talking it's about been a while. Two a questions, while. two questions. <laughs> I'm going to let you go. One. Thoughts on Tage Thompson being an all-star? Obviously, that's deserved, but mm-hmm. also thoughts on Rasmus Dahlin not being named to the all-star team. What are your thoughts generally about the way the all-star game is constructed? I mean, I mean, I don't know players around the league like you do, but it certainly feels to me like Rasmus Dahlin should should have been an, uh, represented in, in the all-star game. So l- let me get your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, he sh- he should 100% be at the All Star game. Like <laughs> he's he's the second leading defensive. Like, Joe Thompson thinks so more like, than anyone. Well, yes. yes, yeah. Well, that's that's a given. <laughs> Even if he was having a horrible season, that's she'd be true. like, no, send bias there. But, yeah. uh, but uh, it's you know, listen, the, the format the format's fun. You know, the three on three games, like the round robin three on three, like that's fun. I love that. That's that's great. Problem is, you know, you have to have a representative from every team which I mean, I guess it's a problem. I don't know. It's the all-star game. You want everybody represented. I understand. I get it. Do some of these teams deserve a representative? Probably not. I don't think I need to see a Columbus blue jacket at the game. I don't think, I don't think that's really necessary. Uh, You know, uh, whoever else is at the bottom of the standings. I don't, you know, it's, I don't need to see some of these teams. I just don't need to see. Like, do I need to see a guy from Montreal? No, 
Ottawa, eh, probably not. Anaheim, no. Chicago, no. Arizona, nah. San Jose, no. Vancouver, hell no. Like, yeah, but I mean, you know, half of those teams are in the West, so it wouldn't matter anyways. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Darlene deserves it. But like, you know what? Dude's playing like 25, you know, 23, 24, 25 minutes a night. Playing sure. all the hard situations. Give him, he gets to have a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, if I'm the Sabres, I'm like, ah, it'd be really cool if he was there, but I'm really kind of happy he's not. Kind of like a lot of baseball managers who like their pitcher gets, you know, named in the All-Star team. They don't want him to pitch in the All-Star game. They right. just want him to be there, but he don't necessarily need to uh, physically uh, participate. Last question. I'm going to let you go. Let's circle back to last week because you were there. You were in the press box. I watched it on TV. Mm-hmm. It looked fun and it looked pretty uh sentimental maybe a little yep. emotional as well i'm talking about ryan miller night of course kind of just take fans who maybe weren't in the building last thursday behind the scenes a little bit like what, what was that vibe like it, it just felt like it was a an important thing and let me extend the question too do you see now that this went off and it just looked like a complete success organizationally do you see maybe a couple more guys not too far down the road getting their number in the banner and, and you know, earn the Raptors and stuff like that. As far as other guys getting their numbers hung up, I'm not sure about that. Honestly, um, Sabres hall of fame is a whole other, is a whole other thing. Like, I think we'll see, I think we'll see a few guys, you know, because uh, I think Miller is the first guy to go in the Sabres hall of fame since 2012. Mm-hmm. I think like that's, that's a long time. It's a long time, but you know what? So many of the guys that you're like, Oh, well, these guys will be part of it. You needed them to retire because <laughs> you're thinking about it. And it's like, Oh, they're still playing. Oh, okay. Well, it's uh, just button that up for a little bit. But you know, one of the guys that talked about uh, Ryan, uh, the other, you know, the, that night, uh, Thomas Vanek, he's to me, he's the next guy that, right. that goes to the Sabre hall of fame. So as far as I'm concerned, he, he, hundred percent deserves it. 40 goal scorer. He was so great. He was such a great player here. He got a lot of crap towards the end, you know, cause he deferred probably way too much and even joked about that to us, which he's, he's you know, he's like probably passed it, passed it up a little too much. He's like, yeah, okay. That's good one. Good one. That was all of our criticism about you, Thomas, is that you just kept, it's like, Oh, he's got a great opportunity. Oh, no, passed it to whoever is on the other side. Cool. But, um, but the vibe was just, it was so It was such a warm, vibe because I, this is the first guy of that of that generation of sabers that's getting honored and so many of the guys that were there i mean a lot of them are guys that were sabers not all that long ago you know i i got talking uh quite a bit with drew stafford uh you know after the game and uh chatting with him and catching up and it was just like he's like he told me he goes uh he goes he goes i think we had almost the entire 2008 2009 team here tonight and i'm like no kidding. He's like, yeah, it was all like basically all of us. And then, you know, JP Dumont too, <laughs> you know, because, you know, JP was there when, you know, when Ryan started. So, and, you know, everybody, JP, JP, JP could be the mayor of Nashville and Buffalo at the same time. And everybody would be like, yep, that's good. We yeah. like that. Um, but it was just, you know, everybody, it was just everybody coming together and the appreciation for Ryan was, was so high. All these guys, you know, you don't show up to a thing, you know, and think like, ah, screw this guy, whatever. I'm just here for, I'm here for the party. You know, like these guys all love him. And like those guys were really tight. You know, so many of those guys came up together, like Palm and Vilvanic and Miller all coming up from Rochester together. Derek Roy too, like, you know, all these guys, it was just, you know, it was, it was kind of like a class reunion, but like a good one, one that people look forward to, you know, not right. one where you're kind of like, ah, geez, this thing's coming up again. 
it was, it was totally different. And, you know, the guys, they, all the guys loved it. And like the fan for the fans, I, I, I saw a lot of, a lot of people saying like shed a few tears during that. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I a hundred percent get it. Cause like that, it goes back to the time when they, they were last good. And Miller was, Miller was the guy that wore his heart on his sleeve every time. Like he was a very emotional player. I know he got a lot of crap, you know, when he was, when he was a rookie, because there were some times after games where he'd be, you know, shed a couple of tears and just being mad at himself. But I mean, don't you want, don't you want guys like that? Don't you want guys that are, that are that into it, that they just get like so pissed. It's like Jamal Williams with Detroit. Like that dude went through five emotions in a post-game interview, yeah. but you're like, right. I love that guy. I, like you pull for people that are like that. And hearing the stories from guys talking about how Miller was in practice, how he would get pissed when guys would score on him or guys would just be like, I never scored on him. Like <clears throat> it was wild. It was wild to hear that because you're like, wow, that's exactly like what Hashik was when he was here. And there's like all the same stories. And Miller, Miller was a huge Hashik fan, which of course he was, you know, he and I are like the same age basically. So like, yeah, I was a Hashik fan too. Cool. Like, I like, that's a perspective I can understand. Right, sure. I'm a, so um, it was just, it was just really neat. And it would, you know, to, to have those guys back and, and being welcome back and have the ceremony be such a good ceremony. Everything about it was great. The videos that they did for him, uh, the, 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 the message from, from Hashik that they were, that they got for, for Ryan. he's like, welcome to the club. Holy shit, dude. Like, that's awesome. Like, yes. Like these are the two greatest goalies in team history. And they're like, yep, we're, we're here together. Like that's, it's what you want. Like that's, that's the stuff that, that, that people love. And it was just, it was just such a, I'm not, it, it's not an overdue recognition because Ryan just retired like within the last year or so. Right. But the fact that they jumped on it so fast to be like, Nope, Sabre hall of fame, his numbers going up was such a relief because I think if it, if it was something that got dragged out for a while, then you start getting, you know, it gives credence to a lot of people that were just like, well, he never won anything. He wasn't caught. He didn't win a gold medal. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like all that crap. Like you don't need to give those people any fuel. They're going to be angry about life forever. Right. Miller was, Miller was, he's the most, he's the winningest goalie in team history. He's the winningest goalie, American goalie of all time. Like, <laughs> I don't know what else you can say about the guy. I mean, his 2010 season is maybe the greatest season of, of goaltending I've seen in, in, since Hashik. Yeah. You know, like him at the Olympics, I mean, geez, it, shit luck. I mean, the Canada's loaded, USO is loaded, stuff happens. But like his, him winning the Vezina that year was, uh, that's this open and shut case. He was brilliant that entire season. And the only reason the Sabres were really in the playoff mix that year or were in the playoffs was because Miller was awesome. So, you know, it's, uh, it was great to see. And, you know, Miller's a guy that I, you know, before I got into doing media stuff, he's a goal. I freaking love Miller super guy. I'm happy. I was here for, you know, one season. Well, three quarters of a season with him because, you know, it was a bad year, 13, 14, and then he gets traded. And, you know, when he came to the podium to talk to us after the ceremony, he goes, he goes, wow. You know, last time I was here was not for his greatest situation. I'm like, Oh shit, you're right. <laughs> like that was a horrible night. Like, you know, Miller's, you know, Miller was upset, you know, he's crying. He was saying goodbye to Buffalo and he's getting ushered out of the building because the trade happened before a game. Like, you know, it's, it's, but that's like the, the night and day difference between how things used to be run where, you know, you're trading your franchise goalie, you know, you know, the most, the most winningest goalie that you've had in team history and you're trading them, you know, a half hour before a game starts. Like, 
really? And then you're like rushing him out the door, having like a, you know, make do press conference and then off he goes never to, you know, not, not to never be seen again, but seen very sparsely from then on because he played out West. So no, it's uh, but it was great. It was, it was such a great night. And I just wish the, uh, I got sounds going on here. What's going on here? The uh, play it off music there. Um, <laughs> I'm not playing you off. This ain't the Oscars, man. I hit the wrong button there, man. <laughs> but uh, I, it's, uh, but I don't know. Like the, you know, they started the, you know, the charity foundation for Miller. You know, everything with, you know, with Carly's, you know, Carly's heroes and and Carly's kids are. Or I forget the name of it. I'm very sorry for that. Um, but everything with Roswell that he's done, and now they've got they've added to it, and I'm like, that's that's exactly what like that's. Like that's what he was about. Like everything, everything about him was about it that. Felt stuff. genuine. He felt like he yeah. was genuinely happy for the honor. He was genuinely happy to be in Buffalo. I believe him when he mm-hmm. talks about how much he loves the city and how this will always feel like home to him. I don't think it's bullshit player talk. I think it's legit. No. I think it's authentic. Um, it, it was it was great. To, again, you were there. You saw it in person. I only got to watch it on TV, but it, it felt it, it brought back the feels for me. You talked about. You know, I'm not going to go as far as they got teary eyed, but I certainly felt some emotions watching it and it brought me back yeah. to a place where the Sabres were a lot of fun. And hopefully, you know, going forward, now the Sabres will have some more fun. So now this music is legit. <laughs> playing it off here. <laughs> By the way, quick programming. You're playing yourself off. <laughs> quick, quick programming. Yeah, I'm playing myself off. Quick programming note for uh, Joe, by the way. Maintenance Day, the podcast that Joe does every week with Lance Lozowski. is going to be on Wednesday this week, I understand, right? We're recording Wednesday. I'm probably going to put it up right away, though. Like, yeah, because you got a couple it, games. This to talk stupid about schedule sucks. So it makes more sense. Game. You got a couple. You'll have a couple games that you guys talk about. So make sure everyone you go check out Maintenance Day podcast. Subscribe to it because then when it does come out, it'll automatically come up into your podcast feed. Make mm-hmm. sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Yurden. I always say this when when like the Bills play like shit or something bad happens, talking to you kind of feels therapeutic for me. Like I <laughs> I feel a little bit better now than I did roughly uh an hour or so ago. <laughs> anyway, thanks for doing the podcast as always, man. Good to have you on. Yeah, it was fun. I and, uh, listen, if I've got a future as the uh, psychologist for Bills fans, I think I might be able to make a few bucks off of that. <laughs> All right, for Joe Yurin, I'm Pat Moran. Be back casual Friday with Aaron Quinn on Friday. Talk to you guys soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.